When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. America's fastest-growing TV brand, TCL, brings you Mackie and Judd. Adam Thielen is just special. Cousins waiting, throw it to the end zone, Thielen, touchdown! Cousins gets time, and then he's hit. And the pass, a diving effort by Thielen, is complete. Wow. Tipped. And let's see if it's intercepted. It is. Interception by John Johnson, the strong safety. It was deflected off of the hands of the linebacker, Corey Littleton. It's Cousins keeping it and running it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Football. Football. Football, yeah. Football. Football. Yeah. I see, I see people calling out, calling out Matthew Collar. For rightfully so, for his Case Keenum love from the last 12 months. All I could do was just defend Case Keenum all last year, and uh, here we are. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that was a funny tweet, because I, I don't think it was uh, remembering correctly maybe some of the quarterback conversations, because we had so many of them. Now, there was a conversation we had about Case Keenum and Lamar Jackson and money. So if the the what-if with Kirk Cousins has to do with the $10 million you would have saved by bringing back Case Keenum, and not so much to do with quarterback talent, because there's no question that Kirk Cousins is a more talented quarterback. But we talked about Alex Smith potentially being traded here, and the price that Washington gave up was pretty high. They gave up a player and a first-round draft pick and then had to sign him to an extension, so that was a pretty big deal. But Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins, that was a, that's a pretty close conversation. I might give the slight edge to Alex Smith in that. He did lead the league in quarterback rating last year. But with Case Keenum, it was all about what if you signed him to $20 million bucks, gave him the same receivers again, gave him the running game, which has not really shown up till yesterday, gave him an innovative offensive coordinator, which the Vikings do have and runs the right offense, that even Case Keenum, I think, could operate this offense, and then you draft Lamar Jackson to be the future of your franchise, would that be better for you in the long run than spending all this money on Kirk Cousins? And I don't know yet, because what Case Keenum has done in Denver is not what he would do here. Not just because of the wide receivers, but I watched some of that game. And I, I think that the Broncos coordinators, head coach, 
It's Bill Musgrave. Everyone, I think they should all be fired. Their play they, caller's my guy, Mussy. They need a bigger play menu for one. Oh, is Let's that the problem? That, it's just too small. Just a wee little menu. I, I think that they didn't watch any Case Keenum last year under Pat Shermer at all. It, it looks like a completely different offense. It looks like they're asking this guy to make throws all the time, when really, Shermer just dialed up a bunch of stuff to set up his playmakers in space and allow Case Keenum to protect the football and make some plays outside the pocket. Shermer was brilliant with that, and I don't see even a percentage of it in Denver. So I think he's been set up to fail in Denver, and that's exactly what's happened. It would be different here. And then you ask yourself, well, if they spent $10 million on a guard, or if they spent $10 million on Indomitian Sue, and then it was... Indomitian Sue and Linval Joseph, or you know whatever it might be, $10 million somewhere else, how much different would it be in terms of the wins and losses? That's really the question that you might ask. Not whether Keenum and Cousins are comparable, because clearly they are not. But you could have gone Cousins and drafted a guard and helped yourself right there. We've never mentioned that. And before. that could have been fine. I'm going to tell you, in retrospect now, the tell on Keenum to me was the reaction on a consistent, a very consistent basis of his head coach, Mm -hmm. who is an incredibly smart football guy, and for the most part cannot help himself, he tells the truth. The horseshoe comment and things like that were incredibly telling. Because Mike's not going to the podium looking to flame guys. Mike's going to the podium to try his best to not tell you stuff and then can't help himself. And so when we got into several weeks of either the horseshoe comment or, oh boy, that play was interesting, I'm glad it succeeded, meaning the flip side is it could have failed miserably, that became a tell. Because Mike Zimmer never, I don't think, meant to bash Keenum. I do think, though, that he gave you a very good description of why you said to yourself, if you were logical about it, yeah. that this is basically a one-year thing. Yeah, and just just to add to this, I, I don't think anyone's even... like. Collar said a minute ago, we've put this debate to bed. I mean, anyone who's arguing Keenum over Kirk Cousins at this point, hey, the apology phone lines are open if you want to call and apologize to us. But the one thing that I think you should feel really comfortable about, even though Cousins has flaws, is when you're down in a game or when you need something in the second half that goes beyond just running an offense and managing, he has shown the ability to put up 200 yards and a half and just sling the ball around with some dangerous throws and a devastating, crippling fumble that may still be there in the NFC Championship game as we progress. But you don't have to feel like when you're down 21 to 10 on the road against a good team that the game is over. And let's be honest, it felt that way with Case Keenum. So a lot of things here that I think about with the Case Keenum situation where it seems to be a worse football team this year, which is why you got Kirk Cousins, right? Because you knew that in order to succeed, Case Keenum was going to need a lot propping him up. Like, not just a little, but like Superman defense propping him up. Number one, you were going to need to bump into a pretty decent, favorable schedule, especially down the stretch when you played a couple of teams Brett Hundley and the Bears and the Bengals that got you three wins there uh, to set you up in, in a good situation to have that home playoff game to eventually get a win there. And now when you look at it, you say, well, there there are holes that did not exist in this team from last year, starting with the offensive line, which I thought overall last year was pretty solid, and maybe a mid-pack, like 16th best or so, and this year it's bottom five. 
And even after yesterday when they played better, it still is a bottom five offensive line. And the defense is better than they were against the Rams, but if you think they're going to play like they did against Arizona every week, that's pretty doubtful. And even the Eagles moved the ball against them. They just happened to fumble a couple of times, one being for a touchdown going the other way. So what the hope was from this team, understanding that a lot of those bounces wouldn't go their their way, with the understanding that the schedule was going to be tougher, they knew they were going to need more out of the quarterback position. I think the only question that you are still left with is just that Keenum seemed to have a special gamer quality to him that I don't think we will ever see in Kirk Cousins' career. And that doesn't mean that he can't make a a good comeback like he did against the Packers and make the throws. But there were times where things broke down and Case Keenum just did something special. And maybe he won't ever do it in his career. But that's what they got out of him, and that's what you see when you look around the league where Deshaun Watson makes a special play against the Cowboys in national TV. Pat Mahomes, who is, to me, now an elite quarterback, special play. Even uh, Carson Wentz will make a play outside the pocket where he rolls out and he just finds a way to get the job done. That's not something you can rely on Kirk Cousins very much for. And my question would be, so if you have these holes on this team and you don't have a guy who can do that, will you be able to actually compete for a Super Bowl? Will you go into playoffs where you have to win three games against Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Aaron Rodgers or something and somehow beat those guys? That's where it's a little harder to see with Kirk Cousins. And if, if I was if I was trying to project things, though, I, I, would say, I would say what we saw from Keenum a year ago was not going to be something that he could step into 2018 or 19 and do again, and that's the problem. Kirk Cousins has his flaws. He definitely does. I feel like there's more consistency there, though, and I do feel like like if I can accept who he is, which is, I would say, a between 11 and 15 quarterback, I know what I'm going to get. Yeah. Let's continue this with our friend Courtney. She covers the Vikings for 15, well, for ESPN.com, and you can find her on 1500ESPN.com on demand with Purple Live every week on Tuesdays. Uh, but before we dive into that, and apparently a conspiracy theory that she wants to run by you, according to mm-hmm. what she just tweeted, Judd Zolgad, mm-hmm. let's uh, talk to Josh here. Go ahead. Yes. In, in fact, you can always get straight talk and not sugarcoated advice. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic. It is brought to you by the Better Business Bureau, 694 Westbound. We have a crash. Uh, still, that's still crashing. Uh, Fridley, that's uh, between University Avenue and East River Road. That's adding about six minutes to your commute. And uh, also, 494 Westbound, we have a crash in Richfield uh, between uh, 24th Avenue South and Highway 77. Uh, look out for a crash there. Plan for an extra five minutes. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics, BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium on October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. I think we should play the Skull chant a lot more than what we do. I don't know who's in charge of that, Rick, but two times a game doesn't get it. So we need to do that a lot more when we're at home. Um, I'm not going to give you my game plan. Football. All right, Zim wants the skull chant more. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com, covers the Vikings, joins us now. And in reacting to your tweet, I'm very intrigued. What is the conspiracy theory that you have for us today, Courtney Cronin? Okay, it's a good one, John. I know you're really going to like it. And I actually cannot take credit for it. 
Um, USA Today, a spinoff of, of their model, the, For the Win, posted this incredible article just a little bit ago that made my head explode. I know it's going to make your head explode because um, you love these types of these crazy out-there ideas. Okay, so where, where Mike Hughes got hurt yesterday, dropping back into coverage against Larry Fitzgerald, 27-yard line. Where Dalvin Cook tore his ACL at U.S. Bank Stadium a year ago, running, uh, you know, running towards, I guess that would be the north side, away from the big jumbotron, 27-yard line. Blair Walsh and what happened in the uh, in the NFC Wild Card game, 27-yard field goal missed. I mean, is your head like still intact right now? I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. Whoa, 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 whoa! Stop at the first two. I love this because what that means. <laughs> Is that there's something wrong with the field there? Could it be? I think, I think you're right. Could like, it be a I burial mean, ground? Far, I, uh, it's not that far out of an idea. Like we've gotten, yes, there's been several injuries. Sam Bradford, Dalvin mm. Cook, obviously now with Mike Hughes. But and we know that turf is a problem. But it kind of raises a bigger question: Is there really something wrong here with the turf in U.S. Bank? You know, stadium? Blair Walsh always came off a little creepy. I'm not gonna lie. Did Blair Walsh put a? Is Blair Walsh a witch? I don't know if you put a hex on That's... people's knees. I think the, the Vikings had that on their own, but um, the Blair Witch I mean, Project was a movie, right? I mean, that, that it was a terrible movie. It was overrated as all get out. Courtney's right. I like this a lot because there could be there there could be a hex there or a seam in the turf that's simply bad that they haven't found yet, Courtney. I mean, I think it happened on different sides of the field because if I remember correctly, Dalvin when he cut up the field and. and reached down and grabbed his left uh, leg, which is also the same leg as Mike Hughes. Yeah. Um, he was closer to the Vikings bench. I think Hughes is actually further away along the 27-yard line. But, hey, I-, I was told numbers don't lie. So I'm just presenting the facts. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 in the metaphysical world. If it's not on one side of the field, it's definitely it's something spiritual. It's something spiritual. I think Courtney's on to something here. We need a, we might need a 30 for 30 on this, Courtney. <laughs> Use I will, your connection. I will do my best, in a, but I mean, it was once again USA Today's for the win. Uh, they posted a great article, and it was actually like just kind of makes you think. So, can't take credit for it, but I definitely could see it. Uh, moving on from this, that was great. You you move on. Uh, Cronin came strong with that. I love it. Courtney, when we are comparing Case Keenum 2017 version versus 2018 Kirk Cousins, so not what Keenum has become, but just what he did and what he brought for this team last year, what do you think the biggest similarities and differences might be between the two and what would separate Kirk and what he's done so far? a really good question. I think what we talked about at the game yesterday, when you're looking at Kirk under pressure, um, and Keenum under pressure, the numbers, of course, they, they point to when Kirk's got defenders in his face and he's making these incredible throws, throws that Keenum probably, you know, through the, through the trajectory of if he would have stayed a Minnesota Viking, wouldn't have been able to make. But some of the decision-making, um, I think, is, you know, I guess that I'm going to go a little bit more negative on the, on, on Kirk, in Kirk's case with it, considering when we saw the fumbles yesterday, and not even just yesterday, dating back, I mean, he's not able to sense pressure in the same way that Keenum was because a lot of times <laughs> he didn't even have time to sense pressure because he was already taking off outside of the pocket. So I think that when you take a look at the overall body of work, you're looking at 
you know, it, when you're trying to dissect good and bad. I mean, Kirk can make throws that Keenum has, you know, would have no business making. And I think in certain situations is is better suited uh, to lead this team, it, you know, lead the offense and really can, you know, bring out the best in Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. But turnovers and fumbles and kind of just, you know, overall situational football, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of struggles from Kirk Cousins that I wasn't exactly sure we would see. Uh, for someone who, you know, they brought in as, you know, they're the future franchise quarterback. Um, I think yesterday, you know, you look back at that fumble, you look back at the tip passes and what they could have done differently, whether it's on Kirk, whether it's on his offensive line, the protections, what have you. Uh, and the thing that kind of really stands out to me is just him leading some of these two-minute drives. Um, there's still a lot of holes there, you know, and particularly the one that we saw at the end of the first half. You know, this I, 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 so we went through, Courtney, a couple hours ago, and I just went back since the year 2000, so it took the last 18 Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. And yes, Matthew, Tom Brady times four on that list. <laughs> and and tried to figure out how many of these quarterbacks is Kirk Cousins better than. And I mean, like Trent Dilfer, yes. Brad Johnson, yes. The one that stands out as an interesting comparison is Eli Manning, who is one of the yeah. most mistake-prone quarterbacks of the last 20 years. He's led the, he's led the league with 20-plus interceptions three different times. Cousins has more of a fumbling problem. Eli more of an interception problem. But, you know, Eli was able two times in his career to take advantage of really good defenses and then play mistake-free throughout the playoffs and hoist Super Bowl trophies. So, I mean, isn't that sort of what the Vikings are hoping for? That, yeah, this dude's going to make mistakes and he's going to fumble and he might throw bad interceptions, but can he eliminate those things for three games in January and February? That's the question. Yeah, and it's and it's all about the stuff around him. Like, is every single part of the you know the ancillary ancillary? Excuse me, my dad told me I pronounced that word wrong on TV the other day, so that was great. Wow, now, getting back to the now you're in your head. Now <laughs> supportive parents head. are great, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, like they, that's the reason they brought him in here. Saying you don't have to do it on your own, you should be able to can you know play not looking over your shoulder the way that Kirk felt at times he had to do in Washington. And that's when you have a defense playing lights out and getting a huge goal line stop like they did yesterday against the Cardinals and also having your run game perform more regularly like the form that we saw yesterday. I mean, Kirk, there's been some, um, there's been some moments so far that you look at him and you look at kind of, you know, some of the mistakes that have been made and whether it's on the offensive line or whether it's on him with the fumbles, that's one thing. But some of the situational football stuff, uh, I think it's kind of on him. And those are things where, you you know, if you get in a situation where you don't, where you spike the ball and then you get a delay of game, you know, the first play coming out of that, that's not on your defense to necessarily bail you out. So, I mean, I think that they're hoping that some of these early season, you know, uh, you know, ups and downs, these blunders that we've seen from Cousins kind of work themselves out, but they also brought him here knowing that he doesn't have to be perfect, which, you know, is where the weight falls pretty heavily on what Mike Zimmer can do with his defense to counteract when Kirk, you know, if and when he does find himself in trouble, sometimes it's the hand of himself. Courtney, we haven't seen the Vikings run as well as they did yesterday since uh, all the backs were motivated by the signing of Stephen Ridley last year. Um, so what? Uh, those were four really good days. Yes, yes, days. they were. They lit a fire under everyone, and I look at that as the uh, turning point of last season, obviously. Um, so wow. just <laughs> slinging the inside jokes. Uh, Anyway, what do you think worked in the running game, and is this a turning point, at least for the running game? 
Well, let's let's look at this in a vacuum. They played against the thirty first worst, thirty first ranked rushing defense. So I guess that would be the second worst overall if you're looking at it from the opposite it's analytics. Uh, point. Yes, opposite point of view. If they didn't get over a hundred yards, if they didn't even have, you know, they were close to two hundred yards, which is a performance they don't always need because of the numbers that Kirk and his receivers are putting up. Uh, I would have been really, really concerned. I mean, the offensive line we know has been a problem, but they had to take advantage of this window that they had to to try to get something going and not just completely abandon the run altogether. I think it's still too early for that. I know that there are some people who are like, I don't care about the offensive imbalance. If Kirk has to throw it till his arm falls off, that's fine. Um, that's not sustainable, and we know that. And so I think the keys to the run game are finding your spots. Find where you can generate the run. In Philadelphia, it's by creating, you know, basically kind of that fake run game off the screens, which is a quick pass and, you know, working out to the perimeter and, and having your guys block that way. Or yesterday, maximizing protections. I think that Brian O'Neill, as we saw, was terrific yesterday as a run blocker in ways that, you know, other parts of the offensive line have struggled. I mean, he's you know, they helped him by overloading that side with a tight end sometimes to create max protections and, and get to that, you know, open up holes so guys can get to the second level. We haven't seen that uh, since last season with this offensive line being able to get out to the second level. And they actually, you know, that was the athletic approach that we were a little, we were, I guess we were all a little afraid that they weren't going to have uh, this season. So scheming the way they did against, you know, where the Cardinals would sit sometimes eight in the box, I think that was important. Um I don't know if that's, you know, what we know is that we know the limitations of this offensive line. We know that this is probably going to be something that isn't regularly seen, but in that same light, when you do go against weaker run defenses, you have to capitalize on it because any way you can take pressure off Cousins, uh, I think helps sustain and, you know, extend the, la- the life of this season. Speaking of, of things that I think we should see far more consistently, when when are they going to get together uh, in a meeting room at TCO Performance Center and decide that Anthony Barr should consistently rush? He's a, a defense. They are they are as bare bones as you can possibly be at end. Anthony Barr, when, when he plays a traditional linebacker spot, is at best okay. As far as his ability, when he's got a hand down, he's really good. So why don't why don't we see a consistent game plan where they allow him to rush? Are you asking me to talk about the game plan, Judd? I'm, I'm asking you to I'm dissect the game plan, and I want to know why they don't do it more. It's dumb. Zim should listen to you. That's what he should do. In fact, you should take the game plan to him, Courtney. Well, I mean, last year Matt told Pat Shermer that he was coming up with the game plan, and he didn't find that too funny during when we were ch- you know, charting injuries is what uh, Shermer said. And that's Shermer had a, he had a great sense of humor. I don't know what about. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> To your point, John, I mean, we saw, it seems like it's such a long time coming, especially when you pick your spots with Barr, because they used him so minimally through the first five games as a pass rusher, and then yesterday they find their success with him on third down. I mean, that third down blitz package is really good for a reason, because you bring all these exotic looks into, you know, a ton of different coverages. That's why Mackenzie Alexander was able to, you know, get scot-free off the edge to, um, to get Josh Rosen and then, you know, with the zone blitz with Harrison Smith, I mean, it's the same thing. 
I would like to see, if I'm the Vikings, I want to use, uh, Anthony Barr can't leave the field first off because they're so thin, and I would like to use him in those types of situations because we know he can be really good as a pass rusher. I mean, the way that he projected, you know, coming out of college after 23 sacks, 23, 23 and a half sacks from, you know, 2012 to 2013 was either, um, you know, as a, as a 3-4 outside linebacker or, you know, somebody, as you said, can have a hand on the ground and come off the edge. So I think that we saw some really good stuff with Anthony Barr yesterday. Um, the blitz package and, and those situations are all going to be depending upon what type of offense you're facing, but I wouldn't be surprised given some of the personnel. And now, you know, when, as injuries, you know, at this point in the season start to become more prevalent, wouldn't be surprised to see him in that type of role going forward. Right, but you never played the game. Football. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Take the game plan to Zim and throw it at him on Wednesday and say, here's your damn game plan, Mike. I will fill the game plan with conspiracy theories and say, signed Judd. That's yes. why you are my favorite Vikings reporter. That's exactly wow. why. Not Collar, not Gessling, nobody else, just you. Wow. Bye, Courtney. We are on the same page. Exactly right. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com. We'll talk. We'll see you tomorrow night for Purple Live. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, Thanks, man. Sure. That's a pretty good. Pretty good conspiracy theory. Twenty-seven yard conspiracy. Twenty-seven yard line conspiracy is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's when all these singers die and great musicians, right? Age twenty-seven. I just yeah. got a There's tweet about the curse itself. The twenty-seven now, curse. Yeah. If both of the players who tore their ACLs, if their middle names were Lincoln and Kennedy, now we've got something. Now we're tying it in with a different conspiracy. Becky and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Football. Hey, real quick. Before we uh, before we dive into a couple other football-y football things with Matthew Collar here, Judd, I got good news for you. Yes, yeah, sir. What I'm just going through the new Mackie and Judd auction that's available on 1500ESPN.com, uh-huh. where you can bid to win a $2,500 treatment voucher toward Light RX face and bodies body contouring, skin rejuvenation, or this is where you come in, laser hair removal treatment packages. Every day, men who are frustrated with constantly shaving and waxing their back hair, and I have stayed with Judd in a hotel room, and Judd definitely leaves some back hairs around. Uh, Yeah, I don't shave or wax it. Well, I just let it grow right now, so help me out. This is where you should go here. The most popular service among (laughs) male guests. Don't be ashamed, men. It'll absolutely change your life. More information on the individual treatments can be found at lightrx.com, or you can go to 1500ESPN.com, keyword auction, to make your bid. Are we auctioning off that signed poster of Saturday Sports Talk with me and Judd? We both signed it. I thought you were taking it home. I decided to leave it here, but I would sell it to the highest bidder. Well, Matthew Collar is open for bids. I'm going to submit that item. Here's $2. (laughs) I'll take it home instead of you. And no, it's not a shirtless back hair picture of Judd. No, it's absolutely fine. No. I do not take my my shirt off in public and haven't probably for 25 years and will never do it again. What what needs to happen for the next Judd Athlete Challenge to involve, let's say it's a swimming challenge and we want to make sure that you have no hair on your body to go faster in the pool. (laughs) So part of it can be a waxing. Can we go back to football hour? Can we please go back to football hour? Okay. Football. Thank you. You know who has two perfectly fine ACLs right now? Will Hernandez. 
Will Hernandez has two perfectly fine ACLs. You've been talking to Matthew Collar, haven't you? Because I think he used that one on on me two days ago. Well, Derek Wetmore actually told that one to me today. Oh, then he stole it from Matthew. Will Hernandez has been the only good thing about the New York Giants offense, aside from Odell Beckham still being good at football and a few great runs by Saquon Barkley. Um, But... You know, they draft Mike Hughes, who showed a lot of signs in training camp that he could be a very good player. So far, statistically, he was not very good this year, but that's in a very small sample size, and it looks like they've gotten themselves a pretty good player for the long term. And the fact that he goes down with the ACL puts him back a step going forward as a cornerback. And the other thing that it does is that if they were really desperate for cap room and needed to cut Trey Waynes next year, who will be on his fifth-year option, they now really can't do that with Mike Hughes coming off the ACL injury. Would you trust him to just take Trey Wayne's spot? Probably not. Now that means you're going to have to be locked in to Trey Wayne's there, and then we'll see if they decide to sign him to a long-term contract or not. And then the immediate is, okay, Mackenzie Alexander, it's time now because teams are going to attack him all the time. It's time for Trey Wayne's to step up and prove that he deserves one of those long-term contract extensions because his first Five games or so of the season were really not very good. And our sample on Wayne's is a lot of ups and downs. And then, you know, we'll see Mike Zimmer's going to be tested here because he was not tested at all with the secondary depth last year. Everybody was healthy the whole season long. Well, now Anderson Dejo goes down, George Iloka steps up, J. Ron Curse, maybe Holton Hill gets in the game. Maybe they sign someone, trade for someone. Hard to say. Uh, but this team is really going to be tested on the secondary depth now that Mike Hughes is out for the year. So with Hughes out now, we have, because I think I saw four, did I see four or five different versions of a nickel package on Sunday? We're either down to three or four. Anthony Harris played at times. Yep. Iloka had to play. Curse definitely played. Yep. Alexander played as well. And then it seemed like in the smaller nickel, as I'm sure they call it, Alexander and Hughes rotated before Hughes got hurt. So now I think we're down to four potential versions of nickel packages that involve either cornerbacks or safeties. What makes this very difficult is Trey Waynes has had several injuries throughout the year, and if that happens again, if Waynes gets hurt again or Rhodes gets hurt, now you're talking about Mackenzie Alexander to start on the outside, and you don't have a nickel corner aside from Jaron Curse. And he would have to be the starter and play basically the whole game in nickel. And that's why maybe Jalen Myrick, who is a guy that they have on the practice squad, former gopher, yeah. uh, maybe he could end up getting elevated. Or maybe there are a number of guys out there in the free agent market, a surprising number of proven players on the free agent market. Uh, Jeremy Lane, a former Seattle Seahawk, Byron Maxwell. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple of guys that they might decide to just sign and bring in here. But uh, when you're looking at the options now, I mean, this goes for almost anything in depth in the NFL. You lose a guy for the year, and then you got to really scramble and hope that everybody else stays healthy. I think that they could survive this, but it will be much more difficult if they lose one of those outside corners. It is amazing, and Kyler, I brought this up with Judd in hour one, that what we're seeing, with particularly on the defense, is their depth is being tested. That and This was something they had no issues with last year at all. Mm-hmm. Nobody got injured. Everson Griffin had the plantar fasciitis thing that he kind of played through because of he played too long in the Browns game. But they, their depth was really not tested at all last year. And now 
they're they're scrambling around trying to find healthy defensive linemen and healthy defensive backs, and this is something that they did not have to face at all last year. So everything is sort of a Kirk Cousins point somehow, right? And this is a Kirk Cousins point, actually, mm-hmm. that if you were expecting this defense, even despite their performance yesterday, and I thought Mike Zimmer was really on his game on third downs yesterday, uh, if you expect them to be just as good as they were last year, then you're going to be disappointed. They could still be very good, and my gosh, Daniil Hunter might get 20 sacks. As much of a monster as he has been, it's hard to see someone stopping him for a full game. If Andrew Whitworth couldn't do it for a full game, then I don't think anybody can. Mm -hmm. Still, without Everson Griffin, and there's no timetable for him coming back, without the same type of depth, without Terrence Newman, with Anderson Dejo getting dinged up, it all is a little more shaky than it was before, and you're going to have to expect that at times they are going to give up some points, and you're going to have to match them, and that's why you feel more confident with Kirk Cousins being able to win games and potentially win a division than you do Case Keenum. And ultimately, I think the Vikings, when they made that decision, they knew that. They looked and they said, there's no way we go through the 2018 season with everyone healthy on the defensive side. Everyone who started game one starts the playoff game. It's just not going to happen. We need to have a more talented quarterback, and that's why they have him. Football. Yes. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff right now on 1500ESPN.com from uh, just post-game yesterday, Purple Podcast, Vikings Vent Line. And all the magical cornerback free agent names that you'll love. Yes, reckless speculation. It's uh, it's always on brand here. Bye, Matthew. We'll see you tomorrow, man, for Stay Purple well. Live. Uh, Patrick Royce, we wrap with Royce when we come back to the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What now? What now? Let me tell you what now. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check on your traffic. It is brought to you by the Better Business Bureau, 169 northbound. We got a crash between uh, Highway 62 and 212 in Edina, uh, factoring about an extra five minutes there. And 494 westbound, we've still got that crash between 24th Avenue South and Highway 77 in Richfield. Uh, prepare for an extra five minutes there. Join Better Business Bureau at the Torch Awards for Ethics. BBB's Torch Award embodies Better Business Bureau's mission of advancing trust in the marketplace. 14 businesses will be honored at U.S. Bank Stadium on October 24th. Purchase tickets at bbb.org slash Minnesota. Pat, what's on your mind this evening wow. slash afternoon? I just saw that uh, the Seattle Paul Allen died. I didn't know that. I just saw that. Wow. 65 crawl. years old. Ooh, all the money in the world can't help you sometimes. Oh, man, alive. Yeah. I didn't know, uh, as they say, I didn't know he was sick. So uh, he he actually uh, he announced two weeks ago that the cancer had returned, and he and it wasn't yes. it wasn't a grave announcement. It was I'm going to go through treatment and hopefully come mm-hmm. out. And two weeks later, boom. I do have an observation to make. You were talking today. I was I was driving back from Collegeville. I was up there for John Gallardi's funeral. The third time I've been up there in five days. But uh, uh, I'm driving back, and I heard uh, when you started, Phil, throwing out those Case Keenum numbers. And I was thinking that how these standards for quarterbacks have changed, you know. 20 years ago, they would have said, ah, those are pretty good. Yeah. Now, now what is it, 63% is 28th in the league or something? Yeah. 
go back go back and look at the uh, stats from the old days as far as turnovers and interceptions. Now they don't let you mug the receivers like they used to, and they you know they don't let you they don't let you kill people running over the middle of the field. But uh, it's it's astounding how the standard for what is competent quarterback play has increased. In, uh, and we keep saying we don't have quarterbacks. You take these guys, you take the top 30 guys' numbers into the NFL 20 years ago, and they'd say, hey, we're great. Man, it's unbelievable. Yeah, but Bradshaw, a guy like that, Patrick, would have played a season and been absolutely thrown out of the league now. <laughs> oh, yeah, they would not have put up with him a second league year. But uh, what was Francis's last year? 32 interceptions, wasn't it? In 1978, is that right? Yeah, I think Here's... he threw 32 his last year. And he threw the ball eight yards. You know, half the time he threw it to, you know, the little swing passes to Chuck Foreman and, well, and the guys. Well, no, go ahead, Pat. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, it's uh, it's amazing. Now, an interception now is the end of the world. Tommy Kramer, he threw a 20 a year, 22, and we, hey, Tommy's pretty good. He slings it all pretty good. You know, it's incredible. But, but Phil, like, what were what were the stats we were going over yesterday, yesterday morning, where it was like in 1993, Pat, I think it was Steve Young led the league with 29 touchdown passes and like two yeah. quarterbacks threw for 4,000 yards. Yeah, the and the, the passer rating numbers that Manny found, in 1993, three quarterbacks had passer ratings over 90. Now yeah. that number is like 22, I think, after <laughs> yeah, yesterday's well, didn't game. Yeah, well, you say Keenum, Keenum, Keenum's in the 80s, right? And that's dang near the bottom, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that would have that won you an MVP award in Terry Bradshaw's day. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible, the standards I was... I was thinking about uh, how you know in every sport how the, the you know the the standards for competence have been raised. How about shooting threes now in the NBA? I mean, ten years ago, if you made four a game, it was uh, it was uh, okay four or six. Now now they shoot forty. If you don't shoot forty percent from three. Uh, you're uh, you're no good, you know. You can't shoot him. Hey, Patrick, in 1978, Francis in his last year threw 25 touchdowns and 32 interceptions. You're right. Yep. Yeah, what was his quarterback rating? 75 or something. 68.9. And I thought he was great. I was eight. I thought he was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Right. 58.9. Well, he got booed that year, and uh, he did not. It was a big story. I can't remember. It was in the Minneapolis or St. Paul, but he. He basically wrote something about how they don't honor uh, Minnesota wasn't a place where they honor people, uh, you know, older players, and they turn on them. And he had, he had a big long piece about uh, he, he basically ripped the hell out of the fans for booing him <laughs> yeah. after after he thrown fifteen interceptions in a month or something. So here's another anyway. fun one for you, Dan Marino, one of the undisputably one of the greatest yep. quarterbacks of all time. I, I, and I'm not even using this number to like denigrate Dan Marino. He's one of the greatest uh-huh. quarterbacks of all time. His career passer rating would rank him in terms of quarterbacks this year, it would rank him 25th in the NFL. <laughs> yes, that's what <laughs> behind I Joe Flacco and behind Brian Tannehill. <laughs> and barely ahead of Case Keenum, who was yeah. made. Boy, are we lucky we didn't keep that guy. Boy, he does. Uh, uh, it, it is amazing when you're not paying for your sins how you can uh, overlook everything because you watch him now and you say, what are you doing? Last year we just said, well, that's case and somebody will catch it. So Zim didn't. Zim said, what are you doing? And we all said, what, what are you talking about? Mike was a completion. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, it, it was a, uh, and, I, and I can't think of too many uh, magic years like that in the NFL. But, you know, Foles, I guess, had a magic month. Look at that. So Yeah. Yep. So uh, the Twins are, we talked about this a little bit last week, but the Twins, it looks like Doogie reporting, they're going to bring in the Cubs bench coach now for an interview, too. So that they're going to wind up with someone, a, a name we've never heard of, I'm assuming. Who's, I don't even know who the Cubs bench coach is. Yeah. Uh, I would think that Espada, well, you got to wait till the World Series is over because Houston's going to be Boston. But uh, I, I, as I, Jed and I were talking about the other day, I think Texas is already all over that guy. They want to, they, they, they want him. So the 37 year old bench goes down in Houston. So our third base coach or whatever he is, Brandon Hyde. Yeah, Brandon Hyde. That's the Cubs bench coach. Yeah, that's coach. who they're going to end up. And you know what? I saw that this Snitker just got a two-year contract with uh, Boston. The, the, there's about two or three, uh, not Boston, Atlanta. Atlanta. There's about three or four clubs in the baseball that still want to pay their managers, you know? It, you can. This is like the NFL. When you're hiring assistants, you, you know, you're not you're paying them one-third of what you're paying the Chip Kellys of the world and the people we've heard of. And I think most clubs say, well, you know, we can, sure, we fired Molitor, but we're going to get a guy for about a million three, you know, so. Yeah, look at that. Everybody's hiring, uh, you know, no-name coaches uh, who are working in some organization, and uh, they're not spending big for managers anymore. Yep, exactly. Uh, Pat, we will catch up with you tomorrow. All right, we'll be only 24 hours away from Jimmy leading a resurgence of our Timberwolves. Yes. <laughs> Everything. The waters are no longer chopping. Everybody's no. getting along now. It's all going to work <laughs> out just fine. That says all he's worried about now is defense. Yeah, and and Jimmy Butler sneaking around behind his back with his ball. Uh, finish that yeah, sentence. I think, I think uh, that's uh, we, we're too high class a station to repeat those rumors. We are, yes. We are. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Bye. <laughs> oh, man. Just for good measure, that segment was powered by Lucky's 13 Pubs. Lucky's 13, five metro locations. Go check them out on the interwebs, uh, luckys13pubs.com, and uh, find out about the best Bloody Marys in town and the best place to watch football on Sundays. We're back tomorrow, and you can find all of our on-demand stuff, including Vikings stuff over the past 24 hours at 1500ESPN.com. This holiday season... Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton. Motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.